I love a good mystery, don't you? And today I want to unravel a mystery with you about the Hebrew alphabet and the significant meaning of one of the Hebrew letters in particular. Hello, I'm Christine Darg, and welcome to the program. The Hebrew letter Sheen has three arms that represent, it could be argued, the Holy Trinity or the Holy Triunity. Sheens adorn the scripture boxes called mezuzahs attached to the doorposts of most Jewish homes. The letter Sheen is the first letter of the Hebrew word Shaddai, meaning Almighty. Believers in this hour should be coming into a deeper revelation of the mystery of the triunity of God. But it's disturbing that some believers in Jesus, or Yeshua is his Hebrew name, are actually trying to throw away the concept of the Trinity. By eliminating this doctrine, perhaps they hope the gospel will become more acceptable to Jewish people. But truth should never be thrown away in apologetics. The deity of Christ has been the key dividing line between believers and heretics for centuries. During his earthly ministry, Jesus claimed to be the great I am the Ancient of Days, manifested in the flesh. And so he was crucified for the crime of blasphemy. Now, the absence of a term in the Bible used to describe a doctrine doesn't mean the concept is not actually in the Bible. And actually, I prefer the wording triune over the word trinity. Trinity has unfortunately acquired a connotation of believing in three separate gods. Some people think that if we believe in the Trinity, we're not monotheists. But Christians are monotheists. So triunity is therefore, I believe, a better description to express the concept of one God manifested in three personalities. For example, in relationships, I'm a daughter, I'm also a wife, and a mother, but I am still the same person. Now let's look at a definition of Trinity from the dictionary. The Holy Trinity, or Triunity, is the union of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in one Godhead are the threefold personality of the divine being. The watchword of Judaism is called the Shema, and that's found in the Torah in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The word Shema means hear, as in hear, O Israel. It's very interesting that God is mentioned three times in the Shema in Deuteronomy. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. 
The Shema doesn't say simply, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. You see, nothing is in the Bible, I believe, by accident or coincidence. And the short sentence of the Shema definitely mentions God three times. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Isn't that amazing? And I found an important quote that I'm going to read to you from an ancient book of Jewish mysticism called the Zohar. So please note that what I'm reading you is not a Christian quote. Hear, O Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai is one. These three are one. How can the three names be one? Only through the perception of faith. In the vision of the Holy Spirit, in the beholding of the hidden eye alone. So it is with the mystery of the threefold divine manifestations designated by Adonai Eloheinu Adonai. Three modes which yet form one unity. That quote supporting the triunity of God, I remind you, was from the Jewish Zohar. Most contemporary Jews don't study the Zohar, but nevertheless, I'm told, there are other Jewish books that also mention God's plurality. Certainly, the Bible references God's plurality, such as in the beginning in the first book of the Torah, Genesis, where God said, let us make man in our image. Let's look further at the strong scriptural doctrine that there is only one God who has revealed himself to us in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, equal in deity and power. In the Holy Scripture, the Lord God adamantly proclaim that there is no other Savior besides himself. In uh, Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 11, he declares, I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. That's an adamant statement, and it used to confuse me since I knew Jesus to be Savior. But if they are indeed one in the same person, then there's no problem. Yeshua, the name of Jesus in Hebrew, in fact means God is salvation. So he was salvation incarnated. Jesus was in fact given the title Lord, which means deity. The title Lord was first applied to Jesus by Simon Peter, just prior to Peter's declaration that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And thereafter, Lord as a title was increasingly applied to Yeshua. Although the title of Lord may mean simply a master, to the Jews, Lord was a reverent title of deity. The Bible of their day was the Septuagint, which was a Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. And the Septuagint translated the Hebrew word for God, yud heh vav heh as the Greek word meaning Lord. 
In fact, it was the early church's refusal to agree that Caesar in Rome was Lord that caused conflict and so many Christians to be martyred. So what's the point I'm making? I'm saying, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just as the word rapture is not in the English Bible, although it's in the Vulgate, the Latin Bible, yet the concept of a rapture is found in both Testaments, so also the triunity of God is found in a number of verses all throughout the Bible. I'm speaking to you about one of the great mysteries of the Bible, the Trinity, the triunity of God. It's not a subject I really wanted to tackle because I'm not a theologian, yet I was also disturbed to see many teachers and believers going off track by denying this doctrine, which is one of the great tenets of the faith. So I felt it's time to address this important issue. And uh, I also had a Messianic friend who dropped me from being a friend on Facebook simply because I still believe in the Trinity, or as I said, preferably the triunity of God. In fact, one of the troubling signs of the end of the age, according to, to the Apostle Paul, will be that people will no longer be able to endure sound doctrine. That's what he said. So we must face this issue square on. Paul, who was a great rabbi, also rightly taught that in this life, in this veil of flesh, we won't be able to fathom all the depths of theological mysteries. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 2, if I can understand all mysteries and all knowledge, I'm still nothing without love. And so the doctrine of the Trinity is certainly one of the deepest of these mysteries that can't be fully fathomed. You just can't fully wrap your head around it. But just because our finite minds can't fully comprehend the triune nature of God, does that negate its validity? No. In the meantime, we should, in the very least, understand the basic gospel facts. For example, Paul said in uh, the great chapter about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, For I passed on to you what I also had received, that the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for our sins in accordance with what the scriptures foretold and that he was buried and that he arose on the third day also as the scriptures foretold and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Then later Paul said he showed himself alive to more than 500 brethren at one time. And the Gospel of John declares in John chapter 20 and verse 31 that these gospel facts have been recorded in this word so that you may believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So, having accepted the basic gospel facts, why is it really necessary for believers to insist on upholding the Holy Trinity. 
as the doctrine. Well, as I said earlier, it's an important doctrine because it's connected to the deity of Messiah. The central truth of our faith is the incarnation of Jesus, the Anointed One, as God in the flesh. As one theologian has said, all of Christianity hinges on the person and on the redemptive message of hope that's found in the babe in the manger whom the prophet Isaiah called the mighty God. This is a mystery, but simply put, we continue to believe and uphold this doctrine of the triunity of God because the Bible does, in fact, teach it. And that's good enough for me. Throughout the Bible, in both the Old and the New Testaments, God refers to himself in both singular and also plural terms. The three personalities of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each in the Bible conduct particular activities and roles that are characteristic of their personality. But they're all unified in absolute mystical communion and were pre-existent from all eternity as the one true God. Does the Old Testament allow for the concept of a trinity or a triune God? I want to ask that again in case you've just joined the program. And the answer is emphatically yes. First, the Old Testament usage of the word for God, Elohim, is actually a plural word. There are several instances where plural pronouns are used, such as in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, where God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And also in Isaiah 6 and verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? In the plural. Also in the Old Testament, the mysterious angel of the Lord, theologians say, was God, or more specifically, the pre-incarnate Messiah appearing in a theophany. And he received worship and burnt offerings. Now, according to the New Testament, the Father is God, Jesus, the Messiah is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. In John 14, verses 8 to 10, Yeshua stated, If you had known me, you would have known the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I am one, he said with the Father. Well, today we often meet Jewish people who acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah, if not for the Jews, at least for the Gentiles. What is the doctrine that most prevents Jewish people from receiving the Lord. I believe that in addition to the tragic history of anti-Semitism in the institutional churches that has repelled and put off so many Jews from believing in Jesus, the Trinity has also been a big stumbling block for the Jewish nation to receive Yeshua as Messiah. And for that reason, I've heard a lot lately of some Messianic believers dumping the doctrine of the Trinity or the triunity of God. However, I believe the irony is that when the spiritual eyes of the Jewish people are opened to the true identity of Messiah, 
they will eventually concede to the triunity of God that has always been present in the Bible. This concept of God's triunity is still touted as a very Gentile and pagan idea, but we uphold the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament as authoritative for Jew and Christian alike, including the confession, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I have concluded from my own personal study of the Holy Scriptures that the triunity of God is clearly taught in the Torah, in the prophets, in the writings of the Old Testament, collectively called in the Jewish world the Tanakh. And also the triunity is revealed in a number of verses in the New Testament. And in my personal studies, I found an article by a believer named Rachmiel Friedland. And the article was called, The Trinity is Jewish. This fascinating article pointed out a number of things, including the fact that Elohim, which is plural for God, in the beginning created man as a three-part being in the image of God as a triunity of body, soul, and spirit. And Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 20 says in English, have I not written to thee excellent things and counsel and knowledge? But the word in this verse translated excellent in the Hebrew is threefold. So therefore some render Proverbs 22:20 20 as, have I not written to you three things? And so some theologians surmise that Solomon was referring to the three divisions of the scriptures among the Jews, namely the law, the prophets, and the holy writings. Concerning this, Rabbi Joshua bar Nehemiah said that the Jewish scriptures are Trinitarian. Why? Because they are composed of the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. He also said the Mishnah, which is Talmudical learning, is a trinity composed of the Talmud, the learnings in the Talmud, the Halachot, which are the daily Jewish laws, and the Haggadot, historical items, three things. Furthermore, prayers are a trinity in the Jewish world of morning prayer, afternoon and evening prayers. And Israel is a trinity in the Bible consisting of priests, Levites, and Israelites. The patriarchs are a trinity of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so forth. So, Rachmiel Friedman said, if, according to our rabbi stated, God has made everything and arranged everything in a Trinitarian way, then it must also be Jewish and biblical to know that God himself is a trinity. This he is and has manifested himself as the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God, in the person of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. But then he also sent down the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh in Hebrew, upon the disciples in the third month at the Feast of Shavuot. So he manifested himself as 
the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, who inspired the prophets of God and, and who did mighty miracles, such as the judges of Israel, Gideon, Samson, and David, because the Holy Spirit came upon them. And speaking of David, in the writings in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, in Psalm 2, verse 7, David said, I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Perhaps King David didn't understand what he was prophetically inspired to write, but nevertheless, he faithfully wrote this verse for generations to come. Well, in the uh, New Testament, there is a passage in the Gospels where all three persons of the Godhead appear together. You see, the word Trinity is not there, but the concept is there at the baptism of Jesus at the River Jordan. We have in that scenario not only the Messiah himself, but also the Father speaking from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we have the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit descending upon Yeshua as a dove. The triune nature of God is a precious truth that's evident in Paul's benediction in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and uh, verse 14. This verse is known in some church circles as the grace, and it mentions all three persons of the Godhead together. The word Trinity is not there, but all three persons of the Godhead in one verse. Let's say it together if you know it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And in the Apostle Peter's benediction and doxology in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3, he, he says, uh, he begins by saying, Peter, an apostle of Jesus, that you may obey Jesus the Messiah and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So here in this passage in 1 Peter, you have a mention of the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son. Well, I'm not a mathematician, but I must remind you that 1 times 1 times 1 equals 1. If you'd like a transcript of this program, please write to me, care of our website at exploits.tv, and we'll be glad to send you a copy about the Trinity, the triunity of God. And I want to uh, take this opportunity to invite you to ask to receive our newsletter, Exploits. In this magazine, we have lots of uh, teaching articles and ways to find out about our conferences in the Holy Land and about some of our conferences in England and Europe as well. And also by going to the website, you can ask for my healing book, Speak to the Mountain. This book has been used by God 
to heal a lot of people. And many of my friends have told me that they have a lot of healing books, but this collection of my messages, many of which were preached in the open air in Jerusalem, have special insights. And I believe there is an anointing for healing upon this book. I also want to recommend to you my booklet, 50 Gifts of the Spirit, because uh, in 1 Corinthians, there is a list of nine gifts of the Spirit, but Paul was really only talking about the controversial gifts. He was not saying that that was an exhaustive list. And as I've studied the Bible, I found at least 50 gifts of the Holy Spirit, and there are probably many more. But the Holy Spirit gives them severally as we believe for them. Also, Let Ishmael Live is my book about God's love for the Muslim people and how the Holy Spirit is moving through the Islamic world today, saving many souls. And this little book, Let Ishmael Live, is a key, I believe, to end-time revival in the Middle East. So write to me and uh, let's stay in touch. It only remains to be said now that Jesus was God in the flesh. He did die and make atonement on the cross for your sins and mine. Jesus was the only person capable of making atonement acceptable to the Father. And the gospel declares that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, begotten, because they were one from the beginning, that whosoever would believe in Jesus, in Yeshua, should not perish, but that we would have everlasting life. I hope you believe this good news because the gospel says that Jesus gives power to us to become also the sons of God. He gives power to all who will receive him, even to those that believe on his name. And so we love the Father, we love the Son, and we live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray with me now to receive peace and the forgiveness of your sins. It's so important that we do that as we bring this program to a conclusion. Heavenly Father, today we've been looking at the mystery of the triunity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, we can't solve all of the mysteries, but we have found this truth in the Bible. And we say we want to belong to you. We want you to prepare us for the second coming of Jesus. And so we come boldly to your throne today to receive salvation. And we do that, Lord, by humbly repenting of our sins and asking to receive the free gift of the Savior. Come into our hearts, Lord Jesus. Baptize us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us the power to become true sons and daughters of the living God. And we will serve you for the remaining days that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, that's all the time we have in this program. I'm Christine Dark and contact me at exploits.tv and I send shalom to you and be strong and carry out exploits for the Lord. Amen.